2: This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back here on the look ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Hit us all up on the network at VSIN Live. Big news in the sports world coming down here on Tuesday as. Um, Johnny Gaudreau is not going to re-sign with the Calgary Flames, and uh, he's going to test free agency. And uh, Evgeny Malkin is going to go back to the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins. Congratulations. Now that's big NHL news, but it's not the biggest news going on right now. Uh, biggest news going on right now is actually a report that came from ESPN about the NBA, and that's Donovan Mitchell is going to be on the move or could be on the move. This shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone because when the Utah Jazz traded Rudy Gobert, they were clearly blowing this up, right? Like Windhorst, you know, why is that? Now, why why would they do that? Why would they be making these moves? Well, they're making these moves because they're completely rebuilding. And if you are rebuilding, you don't keep Donovan Mitchell. Not with the current cast that's surrounding him. And so your best bet is to blow this team up and, you know, start over. And so I think everyone expected Donovan Mitchell to be on the move. And my thought and I know that it's been a lot of people's thoughts um, when this kind of was first happening, when NBA free agency began, as and especially once we got to the draft, right, was the New York Knicks are in a position to acquire Spider. And the reason being is, you know, there is the connection there to uh, CAA, right, With the Knicks, um, you know, Leon Rose, who was ran CAA. Mitchell is represented by CAA. There's just, uh, you know, Mitchell is from Connecticut. Um, His dad worked for the Mets. Mitchell threw out the first pitch at the Met game recently. Like, there's just, there's, it makes too much sense. Like, there's so much that's linking Donovan Mitchell and the New York Knicks. Uh, The question is, can the Knicks now put together a package that the Jazz would accept? But when the Knicks were making these trades during the draft and not selecting a player, instead selecting a player and trading a player and really not taking any of their draft picks, you're thinking to yourself, what's this team doing? As Brian Windhorst would say, "Why, why would they do that? Why would they do that? Well, they were doing it to clear up cap space, but were they clearing up cap space just to sign Jalen Brunson? I don't think, and I said this at the time, I don't think you make the moves that they made just to free up space to sign Jalen Brunson and a couple of veteran guys. Like I felt, I thought there was another move on the horizon and that other move I felt was going to be Donovan Mitchell. Now it's, Taken a time, taken a while, but now we're getting this report that the Jazz are willing to listen to offers. And so the first place that I'm thinking is the New York Knicks. And what does a package for Donovan Mitchell look like? And can the Knicks put together a package without trading away R.J. Barrett? Because that would be the, the goal is to have a young nucleus of Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, and R.J. Barrett. That's how you build a foundation moving forward. But if it's going to cost R.J. Barrett to get Donovan Mitchell, I mean, then it depends what pieces you are keeping, what the team does look like. I mean, the Knicks have eight first-round picks that they can trade that's got to be enough to get the job done then that uh that without getting um giving up your prize player in RJ Barrett in 2023 the Knicks have let's see they have their own pick they have the Hawks protected top 16 pick they have the Spurs protected. Um pick. They have the Hornets pick. Is this I mean, um uh, uh, yeah, they have a lot of picks. One, two, three. Yeah, I said eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They have they got a lot of picks. So um <laughs> in twenty twenty three, they have one, two, three, four first round picks. And then a first-round pick in 2024. And then two first-round picks in 2025. And then, yeah. So the Knicks have so much assets, so many assets here, that they could acquire Donovan Mitchell. So let's say you put together a bunch of first-round picks with maybe Quentin Grimes, who's tearing it up in the summer league right now or an Emmanuel Quickly or even Obi Toppin who you drafted recently and maybe Utah takes it. Utah's acquiring these, you know, the, these commodities and it's a good way to rebuild their franchise. That would be the first place I would look. And then the other places I would look for a Donovan Mitchell trade would probably be like the same type of uh like the 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 the, the you know, the the Raptors or the Heat who are currently possibly in the mix for Kevin Durant. Like, I think maybe the Raptors can do it. The problem is, like, why would you give up Scotty Barnes? I mean, would you give up Scotty Barnes to acquire Donovan Mitchell? I don't know if the Raptors do that. Um, The Pelicans. Could the Pelicans make a move? And does does giving, you know, you got C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram Zion Williamson I I honestly I just think the Pelicans are in a good spot I don't think they need to sacrifice anything to try and bring in a Donovan Mitchell because it's probably going to cost you uh you know like a CJ McCollum right so I'm curious where what where, where Donovan Mitchell could go and how does it affect the odds moving forward you know where does it How does it affect the Knicks and their chances if Donovan Mitchell goes to the Knicks? I'll tell you what. You start to look at the Eastern Conference and it's an easier path than the West, I think. But, I mean, the the problem is Boston got a lot better as good as they were, Boston got better. So Boston's your favorite. Boston's your favorite to win the NBA title next year. But Boston's your favorite in the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee is next. Miami's there. The Sixers. I think the Nets, if 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 Durant doesn't go anywhere, the Nets should absolutely be favored. The Knicks have a long odds, right? They're like, 50, 55 to 1 some books, 80 to 1 other books. I don't think, you know, if they get Donovan Mitchell, maybe they can be a contender. But are they better than Milwaukee? Are they better than Miami? Are they better than Philadelphia with Harden and Bede? I don't think so. But they're a playoff team. And I guess that's all you need, right, is a ticket to the dance. So if you're in the playoffs you got a chance, and that's really all that matters. Just, getting, just get yourself into the playoffs, and I think with Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks are a playoff team. Other teams that I think he puts them over the edge, in mean, Toronto, again, I don't think they give up Scotty Barnes, but yeah, I think Toronto would be you know, Siakam and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, it's nice. It's a good piece to have. Would they trade him anywhere? You know, if they trade him somewhere in the West, like who's going to... You know, the more I think about the Brooklyn Nets, the more I think that this could be maybe a th- maybe the Nets get involved in a three-team deal. Maybe it's... Because that's what I think they'll have to do. Because Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell can't be on the same team. Right? But maybe it's... Durant going to wherever he goes to, which is um, maybe it's Phoenix or Toronto or whoever, and maybe it's Simmons on the move somewhere else, and then it's Donovan Mitchell to the Nets, Or maybe it's Kyrie who's being traded. And then Durant stays, and it's Donovan Mitchell and Durant on the team together. Now, that becomes very interesting. Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant together? That is a very attractive one-two punch for the Brooklyn Nets. If they could somehow make something work with Kyrie Irving, getting the Lakers and somebody else involved with the Jazz and make a multi-team deal here. But the big uh, event coming up this weekend, the Open Championship at St. Andrews. We'll talk that and more with our very own Matt Humans coming up next. I'm Scott Satterberg. Hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network.
3: feast in the Sports Betting Network.
2: Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon! Made brighter, 21 and over only, terms and conditions, and other eligible restriction supplies. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Scott Sadenberg back here with you, joined by our very own Matt Humans here on The Look Ahead. And Matt, um, did you have any interest in taking the plus 265 with the Cincinnati Reds as your underdog in our baseball pentathlon
3: here on Tuesday? Of course, yeah. Uh, JVT and I talked about it, you know, strategy in the contest. I said, uh, instead of playing the Angels, who are probably going to lose, let's uh, play another team that's probably going to lose in the Cincinnati Reds plus 250 because if the Reds somehow uh, pull off a miracle, we could probably win the contest. And, uh, you know, we debated it and said, okay, maybe the safer route is just try to pick the most wins. Uh, try to pick the most winners over uh, five games. And let's let's go that way instead because the Reds, you know, against Garrett Cole, probably not going to win. And, of course, they rallied for four runs in the night to beat the Yankees. <laughs> and uh, we regretted that decision. But uh, that's baseball betting in a nutshell. Sometimes you regret decisions like that. But it would have been a lucky win for the Reds. And Man, the, the Yankees, uh, boy, that's three in a row, one leads by the bullpen. And uh, you got to think you're going to be motivated to – get things right tomorrow.
2: Yeah, absolutely, especially against the hittable guy like Mike Miner. Uh, uh, speaking of uh-huh. yeah, speaking of taking the Reds in this game, I'm not even joking. I think I spent three segments on it last night, deciding whether or not sure. I want to take the Reds. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, know, it's game theory, Matt. It's the game format. theory. I know. It is. It's strategy, <laughs> contest strategy. We, and, you know, I talked to John Goulet, who uh, he and Dustin – uh, the producer File the Money kind of came up with the uh, format for the baseball betting contest we're doing this week. And I said, you know, instead of requiring people to pick a total one day and a favorite and an underdog the next, how about just five picks over four days? And they could be anything. They could be a total, they could be an underdog, a favorite, because you're going to have a lot of uh, picks that are uh, repeat picks. A, lot of picks. a lot of guys were on the raise today. And uh, this way, I think. You get more of a true contest if you're just allowed to pick anything you want, and you're not required to pick anything. I, I really didn't like the card today, but hey, man, i like the boy to complain. I, I think it's a you know it's it's a good idea in general to do a, a baseball contest with this. I, I think we just need to tweak the rules a little bit the next time around.
2: Yeah, I'm in favor of that. Uh, I and also uh, I I took the raise in the first five instead of the full game and uh, got burned by it because they, uh, they they lost the first five, but they won the game. So instead of being 3-0, I'm 2-1 and in the contest. So uh, I have to live with that. The fact that I made the wrong choice instead of going with the full game, I went with the first five. But it happens often, Matt. It's called variance, mm-hmm. and we move on. Um, this weekend, huge event, St. Andrews. It's the Open Championship. I know you're as juiced up as anybody for this event. Uh, how many golfers... Have you gone back and forth uh, before deciding who you're going to place outright bets on?
3: You know, I didn't go too crazy on this British Open because I think what you see, and I think really the smarter thing to do a lot of times is if you kind of like some long shots, play the long shots pre-tournament because if a couple of those guys hit the leaderboard on Thursday, you're never going to get that number again. But if you look at the favorites, yeah, you you could pass on a favorite because – you might be able to get a better number on the adjusted odds after the first round, second round, third round, and you're going to get pre-tournament on those guys. So I, I do believe it's a better strategy to bet the long shots before the tournament. Like, let's say a guy like Kirk Kitayama, well, I put a little bet on at 200 to one. If he gets off to a hot start tomorrow, and by the way, he was a hot player on the course last week at the Scottish Open, that 200 to one never going to be there again. Uh, the, the, Fifteen to one on Xander Shopley is probably still going to be there. I don't think he's going to go wire to wire. So I didn't go too crazy. I'm going to I'm going to add some players during the week on adjusted odds. I think I bet six players, but three of those bets were uh, pretty small plays on long shots, and uh, I played a few guys uh, in the short, to mid range odds, and um, I did not bet Will Zalatoris. And that's one thing I'm kind of wrestling with because. Willie Z did not look good last week in the Scottish. And I feel like on the European links style courses. You need a lot of experience, especially if you're going to win a tournament like this with a loaded field with a lot of guys who have more experience in links courses. And, um, yeah, it, it would, uh, agonize me to no end if Willie Z actually showed up and won this week, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, uh, I did not play the 34 to one, the circus offering on him right now. And, um, I'll tell you who I did play though. And the first the first play I made on uh, the British Open was Tiger to make the cut, and uh, I played that plus one twenty. I think you're a fool if you're betting Tiger to win, and I don't care if it was a one forty to one that Circa had up a couple days ago, or hundred and ten to one, or eighty to one, or whatever's out there. Tiger's probably not going to be able to hold it together for four days, but he can for two days, and we saw that at the at the Masters. We saw that at the PGA. And then uh, his, his play deteriorated on the weekend. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's what, what we see here, Scott. Uh, but this is his favorite course in the world, St. Andrews. I think he could play this course in his sleep. But also it emphasizes iron play and putting, which are two of his strengths. So I really expect Tiger to get off there a good start and um, probably fade on the weekend. That's why I think it's a little bit crazy to bet the big number. But I took plus money on him to make the cut. And at this point in his career, 46, off of uh, really a a terrible injury, terrible leg injury last year. At this point, I believe Tiger making the cut and being competitive is his realistic goal. He's always going to say, yeah, I don't show up to play unless I believe I can win. But in the back of his mind, he knows he's probably not going to win. And he's just hoping that he can make a good showing out there, be competitive. I think he'd be thrilled with the top 20. I'll be thrilled if he just makes the cut and he's around for the weekend. Uh, I did play Jordan Spieth minus 115 in the matchup of Willie Z. Let me give you this stat about Spieth. You ready? Mm-hmm. This is good. Okay. I saw this on PGA PGAtour.com last night. Since 2015 in the British Open, Spieth is has combined 42 under par. That's 16 strokes better than any other player. Uh, so, I think Spieth's experience on wing style courses and how well he's played the British, where he's won before, gives him a big advantage over a player like Billy Z, who's really got no experience on a course like this. So that was one matchup I did play. I played Spieth at 18 to 1, Matt Fitzpatrick at 20 to 1. Fitzpatrick played well in the Scottish Open last week, and aside from Xander Shopley, he's probably the hottest player coming into this tournament. Cameron Smith quietly played well last week in the Scottish uh, he was hot early in the season. Cooled off. Maybe he's about to get hot again. And uh, Max Homa is another guy I played at 64 to one. Homa's got the all-around game. Really good putter. Uh, you can actually find Homa some places up around 100 to one. Uh, so that's uh, those are the top four guys I played. I, I took long shots on Seamus Power at 95 to one and Kirk Kinneyama at 200 to one. But like I said, I didn't go too crazy betting a ton of money on the British. I think this is the most unpredictable of all the majors. It's my favorite because we can sit up all night and watch golf. Uh, But I do think it's very unpredictable to handicap sometimes because there's a lot of luck involved on these uh, link-style courses. I'm glad you said Max
2: Homa. Somebody else had brought him up to me, and uh, he's a guy that I am going to be playing. Um, What about – we talked about Willie Z. What about the other guy I'm on every single week, and that's Shane Lowry? How do you like him this weekend?
3: Well, I like Lowry again. I, you know, he had a frustrating week at the Scottish Open, and I think he was he was frustrated by the way he played in the U.S. as well. But he's definitely got the game to show up and do it this week. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I do favor the European players a little bit more in this major because they have so much more experience on the Lynx courses. And um, that's why, even though I don't think the is going to win, I'm not going to bet against him in a matchup. I don't want to bet against Fitzpatrick. I'm going to bet on him. And uh, Lowry's one of those guys I really consider playing. He was on my short list. I did not uh, bet him pre-tournament, but that's a guy I might actually look to add, you know, to adjust adjusted to the odds if I like the way he's playing in the first or second round. Do you
2: think it's going to be like a ridiculous low score winning this thing? Like, is this course, are they are these players
3: going to shoot well on this course?
2: <laughs> you know, I
3: think they will the first two days because the weather's supposed to be mild. And a lot of times the the biggest defense that these jumping courses have is the wind and the rain. And it looks like we're not going to have that the first two days. So I think you are going to see some lower scores than you typically see in the first two days. And um, that might be surprising to some people, but it looks like the weather is not going to really become more challenging until uh, Saturday. So, yeah, the first two days you're probably going to see better scoring. I'll, I'll leave you with one more thing. At St. Andrews, since 1984, there have been only three holes in one. So you might want to look at that prop, but no on the hole-in-one prop.
2: Ooh, okay. I'll take a look at that. Matt, appreciate the time and the insight. Good luck with your plays. All right, Scott. You bet, thanks. There he is, Matt Humans, our very own senior editor here at Eason. You read him at Eason.com, Point Spread Weekly as well. And you watch him co-hosting The Edge with Jonathan Vontobel. Weekdays broadcasting live this week. From the Vegas Summer League, so you don't want to miss that. I'm Scott Satterberg. This is the look ahead here on VSIN.
0: This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network.
2: We are having our first ever baseball betting pentathlon here at Vison Every show and baseball analyst will be making five baseball bets throughout the week to determine who at Vison is the best at betting on baseball. So today we had to make two picks, one favorite and one underdog. Follow us on Vison Live at Vison Live on Twitter for daily updates on who is leading. The winner will be announced Friday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Follow the Money. So uh, today, I won my favorite bet as I had the White Sox in the first five innings. And in hindsight, knowing the scoring system that we're using, I should have laid the half a run at less juice because I would have actually won more than just taking the money line, if that makes sense. See, I thought that we were risking. You know, I thought that, Yeah, whatever, that's what I should have done. But the White Sox were up six uh, 4 nothing. It was easy easy cash, no sweat winner. It was also the play of the day I gave out on my Twitter page, at uh, scottsonair. So congratulations, we cashed that two in a row, feeling good. Um, and I lost my underdog play. I, I battled back and forth internally whether I should take the raise in the full game or on the first five. And I wound up going with the raise in the first five, uh, just trying to back Corey Kluber and maybe fade Chris Sale. I couldn't have been more wrong with the Chris L fade as um, he dominated and the Red Sox had a 2-0 lead after five innings. I was hoping for a push because seeing how good Chris Sale looked early on, I was like, yeah, I don't think the Rays are scoring against him. So um, Rays were actually down 2-0 after five. They scored three runs in the bottom of the sixth inning. They go on to win the game. So instead of being 3-0, I'm 2-1 so far. So the the pick now for uh, Wednesday is, is a run-line bet. And now game theory and strategy is starting to come into play for me. This is what I thought about last night with taking the Reds at plus 265. I didn't think the Reds were going to win, and it was a miracle that the Reds won. It was such a fluky thing to happen. It was 3-0 Yankees going into the top of the ninth inning. No one gave the Reds a chance to win that game. They scored four runs against the best one of the best closures in Major League Baseball. So it was a very lucky win. But my, the, the theory and the, the strategy was take the Reds at this incredible plus money price, and if they win, well, you get 2.6, 2.65 units, and it's very hard to lose this competition if you get 2.65 units on a win. So I'm thinking now strategy has to come into play, and I got to take a run line here on Wednesday that is going to provide me the highest plus money. can't like I can't do Yankees minus 155 on the run line, even though I think that's the best play of the day. I think the Yankees are going to destroy the Reds in this game. Mike Miner is not going to stand a chance. The Yankees are going to mash him. Judge will probably be in the lineup, and uh, they're going to mash um, the Reds. So let's take a look at some plus money uh, plays on run lines. Okay, Nationals and Mariners will play in the make um, uh, makeup game, right? Because the game got uh, rained out here. So it, that game is postponed. So here on uh, Wednesday, we're going to have uh, Nationals and Mariners doubleheader. So game one, Chris Flexin, uh Josiah Gray. Game two, looks like it's going to be Tommy Malone and uh, Eric Fetty. Right now, odds for game one. I'm seeing the Mariners minus a run and a half plus 160. Okay, plus 160. Could be could be good. All right, moving on. The Braves against the Mets. Charlie Morton, Chris Bassett. Braves minus a run and a half plus 140. See, that one I don't hate. I think the Braves can win this game. And with their offense... You get plus 140. Braves, eh, that's interesting. Okay. That, 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 I like that more so than the Mariners just because I don't like Chris Flexen. But the Mariners have been playing good baseball as of late. So you got to kind of look at their offense. But Josiah Gray's been pitching better. So that's tough. Uh, Brewers and Twins. Aaron Ashby goes for the Brewers. Joe Ryan for the Twins. Twins minus a one and a half is plus 145. Don't necessarily hate that. Tigers and Royals, Brady Singer, Tariq Skubal, and the Tigers. I'm looking at the DraftKings Sportsbook right now. The Tigers minus a run and a half, plus 175. Now, this one, this could be the move. You back the Tigers with their ace on the hill in Tariq Skubal. Against Brady Singer and the Royals, yeah, I don't know. It's plus 175. That's the This line is going to move. And the Royals, because I'm seeing the Royals as favorites uh, a lot of places. But right now up on DraftKings, I'm seeing, yeah, Royals minus 125 and Tigers plus 105. But I'm seeing Tigers on the run line minus one and a half. Let me look at Brady Singer's last couple of outings here. Singer gave up three runs to Cleveland, two runs in four and two thirds against Detroit. Last time he faced them, all right. So not really you know, something there. Royals just lost to the Tigers seven five. But prior to that, they beat the Tigers seven to three. Um, hmm. You know, this is interesting. It's definitely interesting. That's you're probably not going to find better plus money value than that plus 175. But let's keep going down the list. Uh, You got the Marlins and the Pirates. Marlins minus a a 1.5 with Pablo Lopez against J.T. Brubaker. Marlins plus 125 at minus 1.5. Reds and Yankees, we mentioned Yankees minus 1.5 is minus 155. Can't consider it. Rays and Red Sox. Shane McClanahan for Tampa. The Rays minus a 1.5 plus 135. Josh Winkowski goes for the Red Sox, so maybe if the theory is that uh, McClanahan shuts down the Ray, the Red Sox only gives doesn't give up a run, that maybe the Rays win this three nothing, three to one, something like that. Maybe okay. Uh, White Sox and Guardians, Aaron Savale against Lucas Giolito. White Sox minus a run and a half, plus one forty five. You see now this one is. Intriguing to me. Um, first off, I always like fading teams after a doubleheader. And uh, well, the Guardians and 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 um White Sox both, I mean, they played each other in a doubleheader here. So I a, I gotta think about this. Savale this year is he's coming off of his best start. Well, actually, no. Detroit was his best start. He's coming off of a very good start against Kansas City, so I don't know. Eh, Do I want to back on that? Mm. Let's keep going. Let's see if there's anything else here. Dodgers minus one and a half against the Cardinals. Tony Gonsolin, Adam Wainwright. That's plus one fifteen. Not attractive enough. Uh, The Rangers against the A's. Paul Blackburn on the hill for the A's. You love Paul Blackburn. John Gray goes for the Rangers. Rangers minus a run and a half is plus 105. That's not attractive. You got the Padres, Joe Musgrove on the hill against the Rockies. Chad Cool. Padres minus a run and a half is minus 105. There's nothing there. And then the Angels at home, Shohei Otani on the hill against the Astros and Christian Javier. The Angels minus a run and a half is plus 165. Now this one is speaking to me. First off though, you gotta you gotta be careful. Mike Trout was removed from the game here on Tuesday with back spasms. So is Trout in the lineup on Wednesday? If Trout's in the lineup, I might have to consider backing Otani. Otani's, la- keep in mind, this guy's on what, a 19 inning scoreless streak, right? He hasn't allowed a run, an earned run, in his last four starts. He's allowed one earned run in his last five starts combined. And the Astros are without Jordan Alvarez in the lineup. This could be the move here. Although the last time Christian Javier faced the Angels, seven innings, one run baseball, he struck out 14. (laughs) That's a lot of strikeouts. But at plus 165 with Trout in the lineup, so it's either that, it's the plus 175 on the Tigers against the Royals maybe, Or maybe it's the plus 160 with the Mariners, plus 140 with the Braves. Got to chase this plus money here. We got to start thinking strategy in this contest. We'll go through the Major League Baseball board and and talk about regular bets, not just run-line bets. Coming up next, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network.
0: This is the look ahead on V these.
2: Betting Network. The VSIN Summer Special is here for only $19. You get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. Sign up today and you'll get VSIN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. So if you want the full Vsin experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at v slash summer. Scott Zadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on Vsin, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on Error at v live. Uh, here's what we got going on uh, for Wednesday's baseball schedule. A couple of early day games as you got the Mariners and Nationals playing a doubleheader, making up the rained-out game from here on Tuesday. Chris Flexen, Josiah Gray going in the first game with Washington as a minus 115 favorite. And you're thinking to yourself, this line is just way too suspicious, right? Like, Why? Why is the why are the Washington Nationals a team that is one in nine in their last ten games a favorite over the Seattle Mariners, who have won eight straight games and are nine and one in their last ten? Well, it's simply because of the pitching matchup. If you look at the pitching matchup in this game, Chris Flexen. Um, has not been good. Uh, Chris Flexen's advanced numbers, he's coming off a very good start against San Diego. But Chris Flexen's advanced numbers are not good. Uh, let me just take a quick look at his fan graphs here. But he has um, very poor advanced numbers right now. Uh He's got an expected ERA that is over a run greater than his current ERA. His advanced, let's see, I want to look at his Sierra of uh, four point eight seven Sierra, which isn't good. Uh, four point nine zero xFIP. I mean, his advanced numbers are just not good at all. And Yosiah Gray has actually been. Pretty decent for the Nationals. Um, you know, he struck out 11 Phillies in his last start out. So this one is intriguing to me. Obviously, the line's a little fishy. If you're looking up on the DraftKings Sportsbook right now, you'll see that while the um, Nationals are minus 115 for the game, The Mariners are actually the favorite on the run line at minus a one and a half at plus 160. Uh, So this is one of those, like, you know, as Tim Murray on the nightcap would say, embrace the stink. Do you go with the Nationals as the favorite, or do you fade the Nationals as a bad team here, game one of a doubleheader, uh, with a pitching edge in Josiah Gray against Chris Flexen. Do you back the team that has won eight straight games in the Seattle Mariners? That is the question that you're asking. Um, it is an early start for Seattle, but hey, they've been in D.C. already, so it's nothing uh, nothing that they're not adjusted to. Uh, the Mets will take on the Braves. That's another day game. It is a getaway spot for the uh, Mets. They want to get out of town because uh, they have to, um, after this game in Atlanta, the Mets will head to Chicago to begin a series with the Cubs. Uh, Atlanta, meanwhile, they also get out of town. I think they go to D.C. to take on the Nationals. Atlanta's minus 155. Charlie Morton against Chris Bassett. And if Atlanta wins this game, they'll be a half game back of the Mets for first place in the National League East. I've I've said that this was going to be a, um, you know, a a, a two to one. series. I don't think I didn't think anyone was going to get the sweep. I thought for the Mets, they had the advantage in the, um, Scherzer game, which they won. And that was the only game they would have the pitching advantage. So the Mets win the game four to one in the first game of the series, they lose the game four to one in the second game of the series. Both games have gone under and both by the identical four, one scores. So what do you think? Four, one Braves again, Uh, Braves on the run line, plus 140. You got the Brewers and the Twins from Minnesota. Uh, Joe Ryan on the hill for the Twinkies. Aaron Ashby going for the Brewers. Um, Aaron Ashby has been kind of fluky. He's had a couple of really good outings. Um, Well, I wouldn't say really good. He's had a couple of okay outings and then a couple of disastrous outings. He gave up six runs to the Nationals in an outing, four runs to the Mets, four runs to the Padres, four runs to the Pirates, but he had a couple of outings, you know, one run here, zero runs, two runs. Um, And Joe Ryan, who really, when he first came up and and started earlier in the season, was a revelation, right? He had his first four, four, five, four, four starts or so were really, really good. Uh, Went through a little bit of a slump there in June, has bounced back nicely here in two July starts. So Twins at home are favored in this game. They are minus 130 on the run line, plus 145 for the Twins against the Brewers. Tigers take on the Royals. Tariq Skubal goes for Detroit against Brady Singer for the Royals. Uh, The Royals are minus 125 in this one, total of 8. However, the Tigers are the favorite on the run line at minus or 1.5, plus 175. Diamondbacks take on the Giants. Zach Gallen goes for Arizona. John Brebia gets the start for the Giants. And I have not seen a line on this game just yet. So we do not have a line on this game. Uh, We don't have a line on the second game between the Mariners and the Nationals either. Uh, The Pirates take on the Marlins. Miami, a heavy favorite with Pablo Lopez on the mound. Um, Seeing Miami as a minus, uh, let's see, Miami with Pablo Lopez. Minus 175 to the Pirates, plus 150 on the comeback. JT Brubaker going for um, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'd favor Miami in this one. And Miami on the run line is plus 125 for those that are interested. Uh, Let's see, moving along, we got the Reds and the Yankees. The Yankees have lost three straight games for just the second time all season. It is, however, the first time all season that the Yankees have lost three days in a row. You see, the last time or the only other time the Yankees lost three straight games, they got swept in a double header and then lost the following day. So that was three consecutive losses. But it only occurred across two days. This is the first time this season the Yankees have lost three days in a row. Uh, I think the Yankees win and win big against Cincinnati here. Uh, the bullpen has blown leads for them. It ain't going to be. It's not going to happen here. And the Yankees aren't going to let it happen. Uh, Mike Miner is one in six with a six point six three ERA since making his return from the IL. And the Yankees are going to uh, score and score a lot off of Mike Miner. Yankees in this spot, heavily favored, obviously rightfully so, at minus 335. Uh, The Phillies take on the Blue Jays up in Toronto. Zach Wheeler on the hill for Philadelphia. Ross Stripling for Toronto. The Blue Jays are minus 190. And the Phillies, uh, they are on, let's see, the run line in this one is, do I see... No, not posted here up on DraftKings. So I guess maybe they're just getting the, you know, lineups or 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 um making sure that that is the pitching announcement yet. But Phillies underdog with Zach Wheeler on the mound. No JT Real Muto, no Alec Bohm, already no Bryce Harper. So it's an interesting lineup that they're going to unveil in Toronto. I still think they can get the job done against Stripling. Um just because it's Zach Wheeler. And Stripling's been good. But Toronto has kind of been struggling lately. Huh. We'll see about that one. Red Sox take on the Rays. Shane McClanahan on the Hill. Tampa Bay minus 170 against the Red Sox. White Sox and Guardians. uh, Chicago minus 115 with Lucas Giolito against uh, Savali. Dodgers and Cardinals. LA minus 155. You got Tony Gonsolin against Adam Wainwright. Orioles and Cubs. Chicago, minus 135 against the Orioles, who just keep winning, right? What is it, nine straight wins now for the Orioles? Spencer Watkins against Justin Steele there. A's, Rangers, Texas, minus 190. John Gray against Paul Blackburn. I kind of like the A's with Blackburn on the hill there. Uh, Padres, Rockies, San Diego, minus 165 with Joe Musgrove on the hill against Chad Kuhl. And then Shohei Otani takes the mound. The Angels, minus 125 against the Astros. And Christian Javier, pay attention to see if Mike Trout is in the lineup or not. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network.